0: Regina Nissan is a presenting sponsor of off the hosel podcast. And this month you'd get into the new Nissan during the factory approved sales event finance the 2021 Nissan Murano during Murano mania for 0% for 60 months, or check out and pre-order the redesigned 2022 Nissan pathfinder. Make sure to head on down to Regina Nissan today at 1111 broad street in Regina, Saskatchewan, or Visit them online at ReginaNissan.ca And that's four birdies in a row for Drew Kosher to close out the day with a smooth 69, ladies and gentlemen. And would you look at that, Troy Kosher, stripes one right down the middle on the wrong fairway. The Reverend can't drive, he can't hit his irons, and he can't putt, but boy, can that guy drink. You're listening to Off the Hazel, presented by Nissan Regina. Now here's your host, Drew Kosher, and co-host, Troy McClure Kosher. Hey everybody, we're back from an episode of Off the Hazel, episode 90. My name is Drew Kosher, I am your host. Joined by stat guy, Rip, the intern. No Troy today, no Dan, but we got a full agenda for this podcast, Rip. We welcome you back in.
1: Thanks, Coach. Thanks for the introduction. How are you doing, buddy?
0: <sighs> Can't complain. You know, it's uh, episode 90. 10 away from 100. Yeah. Another great guest on this week, is always. Silver stick. The silver stick, yeah. Uh, before we get going, though, we got to mention that this is a Nissan-driven podcast. They're the number one place to get your next vehicle, oil change, or any vehicle-related needs. Located on 1111 Broad Street in Regina, Saskatchewan. It's time today to make the switch to drive Nissan. Rip. Why don't you rip off where we are recording from?
1: We are recording from Divot's Indoor Golf, located on Rochdale Boulevard, right across the street from
0: the Doug Wick Hockey Rink. Yep. A lot of fond memories of that place. Yep. Snapping it around. (laughs) And going, titty. (laughs) All right, Rip. Um, Lots to chat about today. Sports. Um, Hockey's firing up right away here. Golf, Ryder Cup is this weekend. Um... Lou Riel just wrapped up. Local sports. Uh, Rip, what do you got? Uh, what's going on? But first, actually, let's go to our weekends. What's, uh, what's, what's happening?
1: What did I do this weekend? Um, Saturday night? Yeah, Saturday night. Played a hockey game. Saturday.
0: Saturday. Oh, we played Sunday. Yeah. Nice, you let su- your game first.
1: Yeah, so Sunday we played against Briarcrest in Cairnport. Um, you know, just we beat them 6-1. We didn't play too well. Shocker. Yeah, <laughs> shocker. We didn't play too well, but, um, like, I think we had more fun than anything. It was just it was just good to be back playing, right? Like, yeah, we absolutely. Didn't have a, we didn't have a season last year. We didn't even get a chance to play. Um, we barely got a chance to practice, so it was, it was good to get a game under our belt.
0: Well, Walker, here, I'll interview you. You know, uh, we're here with Turn Ripplinger, 6-1 win over Briarcrest Exhibition Series Game 1. Rip, um, you know, thoughts on the game.
1: Uh, you know, I think we just got uh, pucks in deep, kept sh- <laughs> short. <laughs> no. How many points do you have? I uh, had two apples. Nice. Uh, I don't know. It was just it was just a I know, it was just a standard game. We didn't do anything really special. You know, I thought Briarcrest surprised me. Honestly, I think they played well. They played hard. They hit. They played fast. I just I think their downfall is they have no skill. I mean, uh, that was just they couldn't really make any plays, but. You know what, they, they put up a good fight, and, and ah, fuck, this is terrible to say. I was, they had a good crowd, nice and it was loud in there, and I was sitting, and I was sitting, my line mate, Craner, Riley Crane, they were sitting there, and I'm like, I kind of want them to score. I want to see how loud it gets in here. Because it was loud, dude. Like, they'd flip a puck out, and like the puck would like bounce over a stick, and everyone would be like, ah! Nice. Yeah, they'd go nuts. So I was like, I want to see them score. Anyways, 20 seconds left. It was like a two-on-two, and their guy just like came down the right-hand wall and tried to fire across ice. It hit our D-man skate. Oh, no. At, like, the top of the circles. <laughs> Goes in.
0: Crab Rose Nuts? Yeah,
1: the crab went bananas. <laughs> I, me, I just hop on the ice, too. to Like, I was being the back checker to make it a two-on-three. Dashed. Oh, my God. Minus one. <laughs> yeah. No, we were plus one. That was plus one. Plus but one. But Craner is sitting on the bench. I skate by Craner. I'm like, well, I didn't want them to score me on the ice. <laughs> <laughs> Bad karma. It is what it is. It's well, an exhibition game, but...
0: Well, and that's probably just the fans... You know, not getting to see any sports last year. Yeah, that's true. Right. So, year well, though, you're back into the the, the thick of things. Yeah. We played Sunday. We uh, we lost five three exhibition. We dressed 14 rookies, a 16 year old rookie goaltender. We outshot the team we played against, and I thought uh, the young guys played well. They had they held their own. It was a uh, you know first taste of junior hockey for 14 of those players. So good to see.
1: You're okay with that game?
0: I was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, I mean, we would shoot them, and they played their top guys, and. We played 14 rookies, and at the end of the day, we won the last period, yep. and uh, we can only build off that, I guess. Billy Bean. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Then we, I play this upcoming weekend. Do nice. you play, though? all? Or you play on?
0: We, we play tonight. We, yeah. Uh, we play the Capitals at the Agrodome. You know, yeah. for people listening now, it's called the Branson if yeah. you're under, but <laughs> back in the old days, it was called the Agrodome. The Agrodome. So we play at the Dome tonight against the Caps at 7.30. Check out the boys. Storm coming to town. There's a storm coming. So, uh, completely different roster than we played the other night. So, yeah, I'm excited.
1: Wagon. Oh, yeah. And you Big guys season. play? We play uh, tomorrow night, Thursday, against U of S in Saskatoon, and then Friday in Regina against Manitoba. Nice. Mm. Should be a good weekend.
0: Both exhibition games?
1: Yeah. We, okay. don't, we don't start regular season until m- mid-October, I believe.
0: Deadly. Sorry, my headphones are just cutting out here uh okay oh that's good we're good there yeah there we are <clears throat> okay well let's rip off last week's podcast with motherfucker Merles motherfucker matt murley what a weapon this guy yeah, is he's a beauty uh people were you know i had a few texts and they they quite enjoyed it and I, I think some of your teammates were fired up uh for Merles yep you know he this guy's uh this guy's a weapon
1: yeah he's good shit he was a good time um had some good stories about over in russia and um uh, everybody asia. rides yeah asia
0: that was cool china no japan his, japan fa- was. his
1: favorite place to play was japan
0: yeah what a wide this guy yeah. was no it was a lot of fun with merles he um yeah but now he's with those chick the boys and you know it was kind of funny because he said on the pod he's like you no know hopefully after i'm done with you guys we get over to twenty-five thousand or whatever mark and I sent him a text that a day later after the pod blew up. Yeah. He was at like twenty five point two. I'm like There you go. There you're <laughs> welcome.
1: Yeah, now he's got he gave me the itch to go gamble. Now I'm oh losing boy. all my money. Thanks, Marles.
0: <laughs> everybody rides.
1: Yeah, everybody rides.
0: Uh okay, sports talk. What do you want to go do first? Uh fire up with some golf. Okay. Season. Well, before you go into the Ryder Cup there and stuff, let's go off of what I what? found out from this past weekend. The Luriel Cup local, the Saskatoon Golf and Country C- Club, took down the Royal Regina 17-13 to 13 overall total. Um, they lost the alternate shot, the Royal did, 4.5 to 1.5. So got, yeah. got dummied That's in that, unfortunately. But an overall solid weekend from what I talked to the captain from our club, the Royal, and yeah, I mean, seventeen. What did I say, thirteen. Yeah, I think so. so. Uh, I think they battled hard. He said, and you know, as you said, it was a good battle. So, uh, congrats this afternoon, and the Royal Boys for grinding.
1: Yeah, and then this, well, this past weekend as well, is the start of uh, the new season the PGA. Oh yeah. Yeah, Tempo Town. Tempo Town. Max Homa won.
0: Did you see uh, uh, Mike Commodore's tweet? No. He was like. Fucking Max Homa. And then, because they're like buddies. And yep. then like a day later, it was uh, Max Homa saying, hashtag in one.
1: Oh. <laughs> Just butt buddies? Yeah. Tummy so sticks? It
0: was, so it was good. It was good that way. So congrats to Max Homa on yeah, winning. Yeah, Max
1: Homa. The Fortnite championship at minus 29.
0: You love to see it.
1: Yeah. Tempo town. Tempo town.
0: All right. What else we got here? PGA. Uh, Ryder Cup? Ryder Cup. Let's rip it off. Why don't you rip off the teams? You have the teams there?
1: I get the rankings.
0: Okay. <laughs> okay. Take Radical. your time. Yeah, take your time, yeah. Nothing but time this podcast. <laughs> nothing but time. People are probably driving, you <laughs> know. Uh, okay. <that> dude.
2: <laughs> you
1: got nothing. I got nothing right now. Okay,
0: we'll, we'll just go to a quick hey, hockey one here, then. We'll go to yeah. hockey quickly. Uh, and help me with his name. Capril. 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 Kaprazov signed, was it five years, nine, five years for nine? I haven't seen $45 that. million. Dollars. Uh, G from Chicklets said, I think um, he basically just made Minnesota bankrupt. But I think they had no choice not to sign that guy. Yeah, no kidding. He's nasty. Unreal.
1: He is sick.
0: So good signing there. And then uh, Travis Zajac. Got a trade for a one-day contract to re- retire with the Devils. Yeah, he signed. And is now working in the business operations with the New Jersey Devils. Pretty cool for him. Yeah, it's sick. He was a nasty player. I liked it him good. a lot. He was good. Who went to the Islanders recently? Oh, Zidano. Chara, Chara signed. Was it, was it a one-year deal?
1: Yeah, I believe. And then 7500
0: Yeah, one-year deal. Going back to where it all started, Zidano Chara. So that's the, the hockey roundup there. Um,
1: um. Who else? Oh, Kyler re resigned with the Oilers. Deadly Keep going here. Um. Nolan Patrick technically resigned a two-year contract with the Vegas Golden Knights. What
0: do you mean technically? Because he was just traded there. Oh, okay. So he's a free agent and then resigned. Well, he was. Yeah, he was traded to Vegas okay. and then they resigned him. <clears throat> nice. Yeah. That's it, Rocky.
1: That's it for hockey. I got.
0: Actually, they they have physical testing today. And then they start preseason this weekend.
1: Yeah. Well, th- well, they've been doing all those rookie, um, the rookie showcases and stuff like that. Which
0: and our boy Cole Cylinder's is lighting. Yeah, up.
1: he's snapping it around. He's doing it real well. Um, my favorite thing is you f- you follow hockey fights on Twitter. Yeah. It's just buzzing with tilts now. <laughs> I love it.
0: Yeah, that is kind of cool. Just
1: watch it because like all these guys are trying to make a team, trying to make the main camp, and they're just tilting, they're fighting everything. So yeah, I love it.
0: Yeah, that's good to see. I'm excited. Some big boys out there. Some big boys. Yeah. Okay, you have any more hockey talk here? Um. No. Nothing. Okay. What else is on your notes there? No. Else?
1: Well, I finally got the teams.
0: Perfect. Let's go to then.
1: Um. Teams here. Team captain Steve Stricker for Team ESA. Never heard of him. Followed by. Fred Couples, Jim Furyk, Zach Johnson, Davis Levin III, Phil Mickelson are all vice captains. Your computer's a joke today. Yeah, well, I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> I think it's just the website.
0: Okay, read as much as you can.
1: Dustin Johnson, Bryson DeChambeau, <laughs> Brooks Capricorn, Justin Thomas, Patrick Cantley. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> just hitting the panic
0: button. Well, oh, now you go. There you go. Don't move it now.
1: Well, now I'm at the European team. No, we're (laughs) fucked. Patrick Cantlay. Those are all qualifiers. Captain's picks, Tony Fiena, Xander Schauffele, Jordan Spieth, Harris English, Daniel Berger, Scotty Scheffler.
0: Okay, now let's turn to the European team now.
1: (laughs) That was Team USA brought to you by...
0: Not Apple (laughs) computers.
1: (laughs) There goes our sponsorship with them. The European team, Captain... Patrick Harriton, Harrington. There it is. Yep. Yeah. Followed by the vice captain of Luke Donald, Robert Carlson, Matt Kamer, Graham McDowell, and Henrik Stenson. Stanny. Stanny. Swanny. <laughs> the qualifiers are Roy McIlroy, John Rum, Paul Casey, Matt Fitzpatrick, Tyrell Hatton, Tommy Fleetwood, Victor Hovland, Lee Westwood, and Bernd Weisberger. And then the captain's pick are Trevor, S- <laughs> Trevor Wisey. Wisey. and then the captain's picks are Sergio Garcia, Ian Poulter, Shane Lowry.
0: You nailed that. What <laughs> does that know. say?
1: Why is he yelling at you? That's oh. like, uh, <laughs> that's like <laughs> Happy Gilmore. <laughs> when the ladies, I need help.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we just had a nice note from the, the business operations here at Divots. Um, okay, so your computer sucks, but, uh, we got, okay, website. We got the teams for the Ryder Cup. It starts this weekend, correct? Yeah. Who do you got? Euro. It was kind of funny to see Riggs not cheering for USA because they didn't take Kiz. Um. And then Frankie snapping. I love Kiz, but I don't think he should be on that team. Just on stats alone. Yeah. I don't know what Riggs was thinking, but. Riggs today was wearing a red, uh, they looked like he's selling hot dogs today at the, at the pre-round, what do they call them. And Trent, like, did a video of him. And then as Trent is videotaping Riggs, Riggs is filming Bryson on the range. Yeah. he's wearing a red, like, what do you call it? Like a Peter Pan vest? With, like, blue, uh, little a navy uh, quarter shirt? Zip. Yeah. He's like, hmm, looks like you're sure not cheering for USA, Riggs. <laughs> <laughs> wearing all their colors, so. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Team Europe looks nasty. Yeah, they're good. And, I mean, USA is good too, but I just like, um, I like Europea, uh, Europea. European. <laughs> the, the Europeans' chances. Yeah?
1: Yeah, I feel like they're the favorites.
0: <laughs> okay. Um, I want to talk some baseball here because I was at a baseball game last night, my like fourth of all time. Uh, if people saw the social handles, I was on the mic last night. On the mic. Now at bat Bob. number twenty-two, Bob Buckley. <laughs> <laughs> so I was ripping off all the names last night at the baseball game of your lead final senior double A, correct? Yep. The Regina Trappers versus the Weyburn Iron Pigs. Wagon. The Trappers win five nothing in game one. You guys play Wednesday tonight, on the road in Weyburn. Uh, thoughts going into that game, Rip.
1: Uh, I think it's going to be a war. We the last couple of games we have played, there just you know they've just been tight, like two on three, two games, and they always get good crowds out there, and they're just good ball games usually. So I'm excited. I'm not excited to freeze my balls off though. It's been cold these last couple nights.
0: Yeah, it was cold last night. Yeah. Like, at the latter portion of the game, when I came down after too, like by the dugout, freezing. Yeah. It was, I was so cold. So.
1: We'll be in one. Hopefully, he can shut her shut it down tonight. Sh- shut her down tonight. But who knows? If we go to game three, we go to game
0: three. but Yeah, well, I'm rooting for the boys. Yeah. Um,
1: you did a hell of a job, by the way. It thanks. Was, I appreciate was, it. I was laughing lots. Nuke. Yeah, Nuke. <laughs> I had a different nickname every time I went up to bat, too. Yeah, it Ch- was. Uh, pretty hard. Bob- I'm in the. F- I was tr- trying to dial it in for <laughs> final, and I'm getting laughing in the batter's box.
0: Turner Ripplinger. The intern, and business in the front, party, party in the, the back. back. Love yeah, Four names, four different people. Wayburn probably was checking the lineup card every time. Like, who is this guy? <laughs> is this the beer batter for the for the trappers right now? I should have been. Okay. Um, do you know? Or do you have any stats right now in the MLB? As I'm getting more intrigued, I've watched more baseball in the last three weeks than I have my whole life. Yeah.
1: So. Well, Jays are in a wild card spot still. Okay. They're buzzing. They got a couple. What's their schedule like? I think they're gonna they're I saw a stat it was like back in August, they had a four percent chance of making the playoffs.
0: Wow. That was that's a, low.
1: Yeah, a month and a half ago, maybe. Not even. Now and then now they're up they're above seventy percent of Wow, that's nuts. Chances of making it. Hmm. Um Yeah, they they play I think they have a series – well, they're playing against Tampa right now, who's the best team in their division, which it's been a tough series so far. But the Tampa's always good, hey Tampa's always yeah middle of pack well it's usually in the early 2000s it was New York Boston yeah and then Jays have slowly creeped in crept in there creep in there I don't know proper grammar right now but uh snuck in the Orioles the Orioles have lost three of the last four seasons have lost 100 games in the season and the fourth season the only reason why it was 100 wins is because the season was only 60 games. <laughs> um, is that any good? Yeah, so I f- believe the Jays play st- <clears throat> the Orioles one more time, like in a series, and they're the last team in the AL, I believe. Yeah, and then they play Minnesota one more series too, is the third third last team in the AL. But they also play the Yankees, who the Yankees are chasing them. So they have a very good chance of if they can just help themselves, basically. Yeah, they beat if they beat the Yankees two out of three or sweep them, they'll make playoffs.
0: All right. Yeah. There's the baseball recap from the intern. Yep. Uh, Rip, let's go to our guest today. We have a beauty on. Yeah. From Flin Flon, Manitoba, played one-year junior hockey there, four years for the Prince Albert Raiders, long time in the NHL, a couple years in the KHL, then was assistant GM in the KHL, and now has spent the last six years as a pro scout for the Montreal Canadiens. I believe he was a second-round pick in the NHL draft to the Philadelphia Flyers. Yeah, to Philly. He fitted in just okay there because he was a tough guy. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, Reed Simpson. Now, before we get into this, uh, I won't give away too much, but this guy is funny. Yeah, he's a gem. Keeps stories going. You know, Reed had—we had, we all had a timeline. We said about an hour, 40 yeah. minutes to an hour. And he had, be, he had to be back at the rink in Traverse City to scout. And we were both like, <laughs> like, hey, Reed.
1: Yeah, you got to go.
0: Yeah. So he was loving the stories, loving it. And I think and he loves that stuff because he was talking about the old days and, yep. and what he was doing. And so, I don't know. I had a lot of fun with Reed Simpson. Uh, quick thoughts on the pod before we go over to it, Rip?
1: Yeah, quick thoughts on the interview. Um, I loved it. I had a good time. But, yeah, he, he told some great stories. I felt like we could have talked to him for two, three hours. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, we knew he had to go. <laughs> I remember looking at you during our interview. I'm like, D- like, he's, like, he was just carrying on with the stories. I'm like, Reed, like, you got to leave. Yeah. <laughs> you told us, like, we got to, like, we kind of, you got to go watch a game or whatever. So, like, I, I felt like we were more worried about his time management than he was.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, it was a good interview with uh, Reed. Uh, we hope you enjoy it. Here's Reed Simpson.
2: Off the Huzzle is proudly presented by Cutter and Buck Clothing. Cutter and Buck Clothing is crafted for your active lifestyle, engineered for exceptional versatility so it will be perfect for work, work from home, travel, date night, golf, walking, boating, hiking and entertaining. Their clothing is thoughtfully engineered with performance features like moisture wicking, stretch, UPF for sun protection and with easy care and time saving features such as durable collars, added spandex and blended fabrics that are comfortable and stylish. Cutter and Buck shares their commitment to sustainability with their commitment to sustainable products, sustainable operations, and sustainable production. When you choose Cutter and Buck Clothing, you are getting the genuine spirit of the Pacific Northwest. Check out Cutter and Buck on all their social media platforms.
0: All righty, we are pleased to be joined by a guy that is from Flin Flon, Manitoba. He played 301 NHL games, a Prince Albert Raider alumni, won a call their cup with the Albany River Rats, and currently scouting for the Montreal Canadiens after all that we are pleased to be joined by reed simpson
3: hey guys how's it going
0: oh we're doing good reed doing Good, Reed. this is uh another beauty for the pod hey rep yeah this is uh we're excited to have you here today reed um first off thanks for being here and what's new with you what's going on how are things
3: it's been good i mean obviously you know professionally with with our team going to the finals last year and 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 having that run that we had it was you know kind of a little bit of a payoff I think for what you know all the work you do as a as a professional scout you you know we we did a lot of moves through through trades and and, and acquisitions on the on the free agency side so you know you you go to these games every you know probably 150 games a year between the NHL and the American League and and when, when you get players that, that end up being helpful to your, to your, your run like that, it, it, you know, that's the payoff, I think. So, you know, it was fun. And, and you know, unfortunately, we, you know, we got, we kind of hit a wall against Tampa and they were an excellent team and they just kept going and, and we didn't get there. But, you know, it was fun. And, and unfortunately, again, with the pandemic, it wasn't, we weren't able to kind of, enjoy it as much as you would in in a normal year but but yeah it was it was great and professionally that you know that was you know kind of been the highlight so far and you know as far as life goes I've been living in Chicago the last 15 years and god you can't I can't can't think of a better city I know it gets a lot of it gets a lot of crap on the internet and everything like that but as far as a a great place to live in the United States it's uh, I, I love it there.
0: Well, and I can only imagine you probably got a big, big bonus after that run to the to, to the cup final.
3: Well, well yeah, maybe, maybe call Mark <laughs> Bergevin and, and tell him to bump those up this year. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, Arita, so we're always doing this podcast, so we have to backtrack things a little bit. Um, You know, we want to talk about, you know, you growing up as a youngster in Flin Flon, Manitoba. Um, you know, walk us through the sports and hobbies that you were up to, you know, growing up in uh, Flin Flon.
3: Well I mean it's it's like every kid that grew up in Saskatchewan, Manitoba in one of the small towns um, there's not a lot to do and, and and a lot of people you know as kids we you kind of played every sport and hockey was obviously the one that the, the communities rallied around um, so I just I just love playing it and and I you know it started out really weirdly like at 10 years old like I didn't want to play and I quit for a year and and it was like I just kind of wanted to just not play I don't know what it was I wasn't a great skater and and it just got frustrating to play organized hockey but I came back the year in the next year and and for some reason things had just turned around and and you know I had a had a great year and then I started kind of making the all-star teams and and everything just grew. And, and those four years in between there in, you know, basically mites, I guess, I don't know what 10 year old they call it now. I think you call it Tom Thumb back then. I don't know what they call it now, but, um, but uh, yeah, it just, it, everything went fast. I grew and, and, uh, and I got a chance to play. And next thing I know I was playing junior hockey at 14 and a half, 15 years old against men in the Saskatchewan junior league and, getting the crap beat out of me so it was a quick learning curve from those years uh, as far as the hockey goes and and we you know it, it was weird because like kids nowadays and I, I owned a junior hockey team in, in Indiana for five years and, and did the coaching and the general manager did all that kind of stuff for for you know this is up five up to five years ago and it you know s- kids seem to just play one sport and they're all all in on one thing and, and where I grew up, and I'm sure you guys too. Um, we played everything. Like when when hockey was done, yeah, we played street hockey in the in the summer. But um, we we've switched over and we played fastball. And I probably went to ten or fifteen tournaments all over Western Canada every summer too. So you know it was a little bit of both. And I didn't I didn't start really concentrating on hockey till I was till I went to Prince Albert. Um, that's when I sort of exclusively said, okay, I'm going to spend the summers you know, making sure that I'm ready to go for the season. And, and then it just, it just all kind of developed from there. I was a late draft. I was 19. I I went through two drafts back then. They could only draft the 18 year olds in the first three rounds. So if you didn't get drafted in the first three rounds, your first, you know, at 18, you kind of had to wait till you were 19 to get drafted. And, you know, it just all worked out. I I, I worked hard at it. You know, I, I played with a lot of guys that, at that time we're going into the NHL. So at 17, coming into Prince Albert, you know, all the 19, 20 year olds left and all went and played pro. So by the time I got there, it just sort of was my turn, I think. And I made the most of it.
0: Yeah, that's wild. Well, Reed, I wanted to ask too, because you mentioned you played, you know, for the Bombers a little bit for, you know, I mean, it was 40 games roughly and then you played four years for the PA Raiders. Yeah. Um, you know, walk us through playing for your hometown and, and I know Turner played in the lead in the, the, zoo. Play, in the play to the zoo. Um, <laughs> how was that experience playing for Flint Flon and then, you know, your four years in PA?
3: Well, I think people still kind of, I don't know what the, the reputation back then in the eighties was like, Flint Flon was a tough town. And, and, and I mean, as a kid, you'd go to go to games and there'd just be brawls and, and the team would have to kind of Worry their bus wasn't going to get flipped over by the time they left town. Um, you know, I, I just, the fans were involved in, in every game and, and it was one of those things that when the, you know, the next day, it seemed like the whole town knew what happened and it was all talking about the game and, and what happened the night before. And, and it just, I just remember, you know, being a 10, 11 year old kid, asking the guys for sticks and, um,
0: I'm still doing you know, that
3: wanted to be involved. Yeah. You know, and it was like, <laughs> it was just it, just, it was just something that you just, it just kind of happened, you know, like I got to be honest with you. Um, the guy, a guy, the coach at the time, Mel Pearson, his name was, he lived down the street from me, his brother or his son, Mel coaches at Michigan. Now his other son, Ted lives in, uh, in Chicago and they, they, they were both hockey people and, to to be honest the reason I think I got to play some games when I was at that young age was because no one else wanted to come there and play so I was just like kind of the guy that lived down the street and they'd ask me everyone's like hey do you want to come play in this like so I got games in when I was young and and it just kind of I was big enough and I was willing to take some beatings so so I think they just put me on the team and and I, you know, at the, at, for my age, I was, you know, everyone's a great hockey player. If you're playing at that level, you know, scoring, but it just, it just, I was one of those guys that was willing to play and, it, and, it, and, and I just kept working at it and working through all the, you know, the, the, the hard stuff and, you know, it just, it just worked out. There's definitely better hockey players than me at my age group and and stuff that it just, it just never seemed to get a chance. And, and when I went to Prince Albert um, right away, they kind of were, you know, they gave me a little extended look and all of a sudden I'm playing in the Western league too. So I don't know how it happened, especially being a scout now in the NHL, not that I scout, you know, that level, but you just, you look at it and you're like, how did, how does anyone make it? The, you know, the amount of scrutiny that yeah. is put on these players now, um, to get to that level and then to make it at the NHL level and actually stay there is, is beyond, beyond comprehension sometimes. And I think that, you know, maybe it was just the fact that I just kept fighting for my spot all the time. It just, it just allowed me to, you know, persevere, I guess.
0: Absolutely. Rip um, you anything?
3: Let me move on here. So you've been to the zoo then yourself, right? Eh? Yeah. I've played <laughs> a few games there. It's
1: funny how like, Back in the '80s, you guys were rough and tough. Now, now when I played against them, they had like four or five French guys just ripping around, flying everywhere. Yeah. So times you know, changed like a little good
3: bit. Job up there, you know, like it's hard to get players to go there yeah. and and play because you look at it on a map and then you look at the travel and you look at like you know the conditions, like as far as like the weather and just yeah, like, why would it's- I want to play here instead of you know somewhere in southern Alberta or somewhere in like. Yeah. You know, even yeah southern Southern saskatchewan they, they do
1: such a good job there they're always a top four team um they're hard to play against well that rink's so hard to play in like, yeah yeah they do a good job there
0: well and i i think too read i mean that like you're you're a scout and like i recruit as well i mean i think once you get the guys there and see the facility yeah then it's a little different right guys okay you know what now i see why guys come play you know in certain places because then they have a little bit of a taste. Of what yeah, I like get like. the
3: reputation too, I guess, and, and, you know, I think at that level, you know, every kid is still kind of, if you're good at that level, and, and you know, you've got a chance to, to, to have hockey as part of your your next step, whether it's college or, you know, get a chance to play pro at some point, you're still kind of, you still kind of can see that on the horizon um, at that level. So, you know, there's still, a, there's still a little bit of a carrot there, and if you get around the right people... Um, they, that help you, you can still make the next, next, you know, the jump to the next level.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Reed, I want to jump to your 1989 draft, uh, 72nd overall by the Philadelphia Flyers. They must've, uh, you know, the broad street bullies brought in Reed Simpson as well. Uh, how special is that for you? Uh, you know, walk us through that day. We love those stories of draft day. Um, yeah, walk us through the draft.
3: Well, it's interesting because, um, like I said, it was my third year and, and, uh, and they kind of had told me, Mike McDonald had played, I, you know, with us and I ended up on his line for uh-huh. the majority of the year. So wow. you can, you know, you, you, obviously he was, he was the guy that everyone was coming to watch and, and from all over the, you know, every team was there every, you know, the whole year. And I and so I, I I benefited you know immensely from that you know from being on his line and you know I kind of took care of him a little bit as far as no one no one touches Mike kind of deal yeah and and it, it, you know it, it developed me and it, one thing when you play with a player with that type of skill you learn how to you learn how to play you know the game at a very high level yourself you start getting looks that you'd never see you start getting pucks that 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 most guys can't get to you and you learn how to play with talent and and so that that really helped me um, develop into the player that you know you have to be I think to 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 get and play at the NHL level Um, but the toughness you know kept me you know kept me in the mix so I kind of I you know I kind of tell tell people that Philly really must have like they, they really did kind of screw up a little bit because if you look at the draft board, uh, Detroit took, uh, Sergey Fedorov the next pick. So, um, I kind of have to laugh <laughs> at that. I Any mean, time anytime I've ever seen Sergei, I have to remind him of that, that he got picked, uh, one pick behind <laughs> me and then he reminds me of his bank account right after that. So, um. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, uh, you know, I, I think obviously if they could do the redraft, uh, I would, would definitely be picked after him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's unbelievable. <laughs> uh, Reid, I want to talk about, you know, pro hockey a little bit here. You played, when well, you play the Hershey Bears and then a few, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong at any point too, because the, on the yeah. internet's uh, never accurate. Um, you play with Hershey Bears and then a few years later, you get dealt to the New Jersey far, uh, Devils and then the play for the farm mm-hmm. team you know, walk us through playing in Hershey and then obviously playing in Albany and, you know, you guys had some fun there and, you know, winning a championship. Yeah.
3: Well, you know, I, I, had three years in, in Philly. Um, Bobby Clark, another flim guy was the oh, general yeah. manager who drafted me. Um, I don't know if that's coincidence or not. He says, it. he says he never knew, but, um, <laughs> I, I you know, I'm thankful that, that he did. And so. <laughs> I I had, you know, you sign your three year first year thing. And I think I was making $25,000 a year. And I was just like happy as can be just gutting it out in the minors and doing everything I could. I, the first year I didn't play much. I just probably had 30 fights and 30 games, I think. And, and I ended up (laughs) going back to junior just to play. And then the next two years, um, you know, I, I, I got better to the point that I thought I was an, you know, a, a legitimate American Hockey League player. The management changed and I, they, you know, I didn't go back. So it was kind of that summer looking for a place to play. And Bobby had moved over to Minnesota next thing you know, I'm in Minnesota and I got an actual chance to play with the North stars that year coming up from Kalamazoo and thought I was good. And I got hurt with a groin injury and it kind of, it kind of, nagged me for almost a year I remember like it was I was never right and what I did was I, I you know through that through that process um I had gone to this skating camp that you know the treadmills that they have nowadays yeah I don't know if they have but they were pretty big in the 90s and not a lot of guys you know back in early 90s it was the old school kind of working out you know you did your running you did this but I I put two years of of specific skating training in and it really raised the level of my game to the ability that I could actually keep up with you know the NHL guys and I knew I was right there I got traded to New Jersey um the lockout happened the the next year after that and we kind of became the 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 team that everyone was watching and and you know I remember Stan Fisher would come to all our games and he'd He'd, you know, pump me up and tell me, you know, you can play in the NHL. And, and you know, I, I had a great year. We had, a, we probably had 15 NHL legit NHL guys that turned out to be legitimate NHL guys on that team. Probably four or five of them ended up being captains in the NHL. So, wow. it, you know, we had that right mix of guys. We had a coach in Robbie Vitoric that was detail orientated. And it just felt like it was time. And, and so when, I, when we won the Calder Cup, I played some games up in Jersey because of the lockout that year. We got called up, four or five of us, to kind of fill in and make sure that we were – before they had this the Black ace thing, we actually got to practice with the team, you know. So we did that and stayed all the way through the Stanley Cup in 95. I didn't get to play in the playoffs there. But, you know, got to experience what it's like to win a Stanley Cup. And I, you know, I, because I played games during the season, I was, you know, friends with a lot of guys in the team and kind of earned a little bit of my stripes. And, and so yeah. the next year, it just kind of felt right going into camp that I was going to make the team and, and Lou Morello came, you know, had a lot of confidence in me, Jacques Amare, you know, worked, worked with, you know, he didn't, not a guy that said much, but once a week he'd come over and say, Hey, let's work on this kind of thing. And, and I kind of knew I was like, you know, this, I can play in the NHL. And I, you know, I, I, knew I, I knew I could do the physical stuff. It was just a matter of keep improving every year so that you could stay there. So, you know, like I said, I think I fought your cousin maybe my first shift in, uh, <laughs> in, the, in the garden. And that was obviously the, he was the guy that if you, could, if, you could, if you could have a good fight with him, you could pretty much have a good fight with anyone in the league. And, and, and that was where I kind of realized like, hey, this is, this is, I can do this if I just put my head down and do all the right things.
0: Absolutely.
1: So, Reid, uh, I'm going to go back to your uh, AHL Calder Cup run. I was looking yeah. at the brackets right before we got on together, and you guys had a third-round buy.
0: Yeah, explain yeah. that. Would you guys pay them off? or What happened there? <laughs>
3: <laughs> I forget how they they did it that back then, but, like, the, I think the teams might have been, like, split somewhere. Like, I don't know what it was. like. Um, but, yeah, we had, like, 10 days off. I don't think we finished that year until, like, Mid, like almost mid June, but the or like late May, but but because of the lockout, the Stanley Cup was pushed almost into July. So, so we had like we played late and we we, we played the last two rounds up in New Jersey. Um, I, I can't exactly remember, I think we only lost two games that whole playoffs. Um, it would just you know, we went in, I remember going into the finals in Fredericton and and uh. You know, we were pretty confident. I think we we beat the lot. We won the lot the round prior, like four straight, maybe. And it was just kind of like, all right, you're gonna roll over these guys. And then we and the first game I remember playing, and Donald Bashir was on their team, and and everyone was saying, you know, this guy is gonna this, and he's gonna that, and he was the tough guy that was gonna change the. So I just went to Robbie Fatoric. We almost had a line brawl, like a like a like a warm up brawl couple guys actually got suspended for it for missed the rest of the playoffs. But, oh, wow. you know, I just told Rob, put me out against that guy right? first shift. I'd never seen him. He'd just been called up and I give him a pretty good beating. And, uh, and I kind of set That's the hilarious. tone, I think for that series. And we ended up winning four straight there too. So, you know, I, I, I gotta admit like it was, it was, we had such a great team that, that as soon as we won the first game, it, it just was all over for them, you know? Yeah, wow, that's yeah, we, we, had, we had we had a great great bunch of guys, yeah. Right? Oh, we always- were so good that we're, our goalies were actually switching off each each game, like we didn't even have a no, number, it's like Pee Wee, yeah. Like, like, it was one game, what, like the whole playoffs. Mike Dunham and Corey Schwab, literally, no matter how good they played, would switch off one game, one game, one game, and <laughs> we were crazy. sitting out players that ended up being you know, NHL stars like Sheldon Surrey was there and he didn't even play. Um, You know, I wow. get in, he got into a couple games. Like we had, you know, it was, it was crazy how good we were. And then he got called, when we got called up,
1: Yeah, Scottie they Edamire. were doing the same
3: thing, you know, like they were sitting out like Sergey Breland would, would, would score a goal and get sat out and the next game. Jimmy Dowd would score the game winner and <laughs> the other, another guy would go in and you're just like, you know, it was, it was a, great organization to be a part of during that time and the the whole thing about it was you know you learned how to be a team that won and and I've carried that with me my entire career you know you try to kind of model like your the whole thing they did there and and you see that's why good teams win now the ones Mm -hmm. that have been good over the years the last 10-15 years are, are doing the same thing and you know, I think we're trying to do the same thing in Montreal. Create a culture that 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 guys stick together, and I think that's part of the reason why why we did so well last year. Absolutely. Guys like were there, yeah. and you know, even like bringing in Foley and Anderson and 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 guys like that. That just they're team guys, you know, and they and they create that culture that everybody everybody's part of. So no matter what happens, you just feel like you know. You feel like you've got something to give every day. Absolutely. That's awesome. Okay, Reid. You play for teams like
1: Pittsburgh, Chicago, Tampa, Nashville, Montreal, St. Louis. Like those are really, really great organizations. I know guys are always looking to go teams like that. Um, is there any organization that stood out to you while you're playing and like that you love that you love playing there? You love the city?
3: Well, <laughs> New Jersey was great because it was obvious, it was my first year. Like, you know, I I definitely took full advantage of being 10 miles from New York. I, you know, I was a 26-year-old kid, 25-year-old kid. I was like, I always wanted to see the world. I traveled all the time when the seasons were over. So New York was this city that I was just like, wow, this is like anything if anything happens in this world, it happens in New York somewhere. So
2: <laughs> you know,
3: I, I was I was uh, I was, I was always intrigued with, you know, spending time there during, after practice, you know, just walking around, and checking things out. Um, I, you know, obviously Chicago, when I got traded there was still, it kind of come off that, you know, that had the superstar years with uh, Chris Chelios and Ronick and Nitty Belfour and guys like that, that kind of had that. It, it changed a little bit over the time I was there, but that city itself supports, you uh, supports their sports so well that you can't help but love being there yeah. um you know and and it, and it is such a great city um it's it's no wonder guy they can get they they've got what they've got now um and the guys you know it's not hard to sign free agents to go there
0: yeah
3: um to you know to, to even longer term deals you know it wasn't hard to Get Seth Jones, I guess. I guess if you throw <laughs> up money at something, it, is a, <laughs> it makes everything good. But uh, but yeah, like no, those were the two cities I love. But I, I got to admit, like people ask me that question over the years, and I'm like, any city's great if you're playing in the NHL.
0: Yeah, no, it, yeah, you, yeah. guys
3: are complaining well, about where they winning. live and they're playing in the NHL. Like, as far as I'm concerned, you don't want them on your team.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that's true.
3: <laughs> but yeah, those two cities stood out, like. You know Nashville was great at the end. Uh, it was a small town back then, and yeah, you know the hockey was a little quieter. Um, you could kind of fly under the radar, but the fans loved it there, and they were still getting you know full 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 uh, full attendance. So you know every everywhere had its perks as far as like on and off the ice. But again, like if you're winning, it kind of solves all the problems yeah, off the ice. Yeah, absolutely. Not happy, you know.
0: Yeah, that's true. Uh, Reed, I was texting Matt Murley late last night. He's over in Sweden. He he answered, uh, this morning woke me up actually. Thanks, Merle's Uh recent guest. And he just, he told me to ask you about your time in the KHL. He said, you must have some stories, uh, walk us through your two years as a player there.
3: Yeah, that's, uh, the untold stories. Um, I just (laughs) watched, uh, (laughs) I just watched that Danbury thing on TV the other day. And, wow, okay. uh, do you ever play against
1: them? I know you played in the league when you were with them.
3: I didn't. I did. not I heard about, you know, at the time, like when I ended up playing, we'll kind of go a little bit ahead of this. Um, yeah. I ended up playing in that league because, you know, some of my friends like Chris Chelios and Sean Avery and all those guys were playing over in Detroit and I was living in Chicago and um, Steve Martinson, must have called me 10 times, you know, before January and kept asking me, can you come play? Can you come play? And I, and it was the lockout year. And I was, I was, you know, I, I, I don't know what it was. Like I, I I just, I didn't know if my career was over or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I just, I hadn't worked out all summer. Um, I, I didn't anticipate getting a contract, you know, in that year. So I kind of, I'd been asked to coach and stuff a little bit. So what I told him was, you know, if he lets me coach, I'll come play there. And and so I got to run practices a little bit. I got to do a little bit more just in case something down the road would come up next year, the year, you know, the, the next year. And, and it was fun, but I'd heard about that team and we did, I don't think we crossed over with them or if they did, it was prior, but yeah, that Danbury team was, was like the, uh, let's put it this way that like the team i played for in russia the vts uh which was kind of uh like known as the the danbury trash the danbury trashers like we put them to shame when it comes to the (laughs) antics that kind of went on and off the ice um yeah they could probably do a, a documentary on that team and if they could if they could get it you know translated into into english but yeah i think i think. I think maybe our guy was, our guy that was running our team was watching that, was watching that, and <laughs> he took it to a whole nother level. So it was, it was fun, man. I, I gotta admit like, like, uh, you know, going there, not speaking the language, not understanding anything, you know, everything's backwards. I, I, what I, I'm kind of made a promise to myself when, when I got the call in, in July to go there, um, and you know, the agent that called me was a friend. That I, he wasn't my agent at the time, but a, a, a Paul Theofanis, he he talked to me and he I'm like, so what's the deal? He's like, well, there's a new team coming into the, the Super League and, and they want some toughness. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, and this is how much they're going to pay you. And I, I kind of was like, really? <laughs> like, <laughs> are you sure they're going to pay me that much? <laughs> and he's like, I hadn't heard any stories about the, you know, there. So I kind of, I, he goes, they want to know in 48 hours. Though. And this is like, july long weekend um and i called my uh, my ex-wife at the time we just um and i told her like kind of the deal and i'm like no listen this is more money that i've ever made in the nhl and and i have to give it a shot and i and i kind of was like i said to myself like i'd go to jail for this much money so um like i what can what how bad can it be in russia at least i can leave if i don't if i want and and uh and so i i you know i took a leap of faith and went there and, 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 you know, I, I said to myself, you know, before I left, like don't be that guy that comes in and tells everyone the way things should be. Just keep your mouth shut, you know, learn the language as soon as you can. And, and just kind of go with the flow. And, and that's what I did. And I think that's what, that worked. It worked well. I think I give that advice to anybody going there at this point, um, if they want to keep extending their career or have a good time there. Because, you know, you played with Russian guys. I played with Fatisov. I played with Sergey Brelin And I, you know, I asked them what it's like, and they 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 didn't say much because I don't I don't know if there was much to really say about like what rush the difference is there. But I kind of took you know that I I took the advice. You know, we've all been on teams before where someone comes in and and is acting like they know more than everyone else and yeah you're kind of you know they're like well we do it this way here blah 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 blah, and you're just kind of like nobody wants that guy on their team so yeah um, I just went and did my job the the guy the, you know the the management and ownership of the team you know they, they they were fairly explicit on what they wanted me to do on the ice and I had no no problem doing that I think I I think for the at the time I had set some I must have set some like you know Russian fighting records because it was more like yeah, 300 PIMS in
1: 41 games.
3: <laughs> Read. Yeah, and, and they were all fighting majors too. Like every nail gun. It was just like like I'd never experienced that. Like you know, management coming down to the bench and and telling the coach like this is what I want to happen right now and get the hell out there. So and and so I just. I followed that lead, and and you realize very quickly who's who's uh, who's paying who's paying over there, yeah. <laughs> and how to get that, how to make sure you you get your next paycheck. So, so yeah, it was it was fun, and and, and the league had been developing itself. Like I, you know, as I look back and knowing what it was like, the the Super League was still in that. And I don't know if you guys have seen that Russian Penguins um, or Red Penguins uh, movie yet that was out. If you, if you haven't take, make sure you watch it because that we were just an extension of that before it turned into the KHL and, and, and that's, and, you know, that's, that's the best way I can put it, you know, like the planes we flew on, you know, sometimes you weren't sure if you're going backwards or forwards. <laughs> so even getting on planes, sometimes it was a leap of faith, you know, you'd go to the rink and you'd need a hockey stick and cause yours are broken and and the trainer would be like no the hockey stick guy's not here i i don't know i only have the key for the gloves like you know the gloves locker and you're just like what the, like okay yeah, i guess i'll play with uh someone else stick are playing wrong-handed yeah just like that kind of stuff you know and you're just like what the hell <laughs> but you know it was very clear right away like who was running the team and and you know it it it, it was it was definitely influenced by you know if you did well you got paid well let's put it that way (laughs) yeah
0: yeah that makes sense yeah uh reed i want to you know quickly talk about this and and i'm not sure you you, you'll correct me if i'm wrong here but assistant gm for the team that you played for um was that kind of a move because now obviously you're scouting now going on six years of labor five years now in the nhl as a pro scout yeah was that kind of a move like hey I'm, I'm at the end of my career. I can get into kind of some assistant GM stuff, learn the game a bit on the other side of the business. Um, you know, what made you decide to be a, you know, the AGM for the the team you played over in Russia. And then, you know, obviously scouting now.
3: Well, basically it came to the point, I was 37 years old and, and, and I, uh, um, I just, they asked me they, they we need a guy that, that Will, you know, can find our players for us over there because, truthfully, they didn't—they didn't—they don't run on much information as far as knowing the players. And I—I I knew the players, and I knew what they were looking for. I knew what guys would would fit well yeah. at that level, and what what our team specifically was looking for. So I, I I was able to kind of give them advice on on what what players would fit well, and and you know, like we got guys like Chris Simon in there, we got. Uh, Brian Burrard in there, all wow. like and paid That's them great. well. Like and Darcy Vareau came in, who oh. I knew was you know he he
2: just he I, it's did everything.
3: He, you know like he he, he I got to give that guy more credit than anyone else I've ever seen. He brought his whole family over there and yep. his kids grew up there. So wow. I mean he saw he he experienced everything and he 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 worked he worked harder than anyone I've ever I've ever seen to like to to play the amount of years he played there. And you know, it was, it was, it was, it was the kind of thing where they just needed players. Like we'd get into camp early and and NHL camps hadn't even started yet. And they didn't they didn't know any players. So I kind of would scour the I'd scour the the minor leagues for players that were top minor league players or guys that were gonna not make NHL rosters that could have an impact in Russia and say, okay, these are the guys, these are the guys that we need to get and this is what we can pay them and they and at the time the Russian ruble was was so high that it was, you know, it was a, like a guy playing in the minors now here making 250 could go over there and make make like 600 cash. Yeah. So so it was an easy sell to these young guys uh, that were kind of border borderline players. It's kind of changed a little bit. It's hard to, you know, there's guys now playing in the minors that can make three, $400,000 if you're a top minor league player. It's kind of hard to sell them on making three or 400,000 cash in Russia now when it's kind of upside down, you know, where that, that would have been a million dollars back then. And, you know, it's not, it's not, you know, I tell guys like that, like, listen, you get near the end of your career and you're, you're, you know, at the, and when it's all said and done, um, you know, if you, if you played some games in the NHL and and whatever, um, you know, when you're 30, in your thirties and you're looking to change careers, it's nice to have a little bit extra money um, yeah. Yeah. aside so that you can, you know, and that in Russia is a great, great opportunity for stuff like that. If you're, if you're like a borderline NHL player, or even a guy that's played like myself or Chris Simon, like I said, you know, you can go over it If you, if you have the right attitude, you can go over there and, and really, and really, you know, put some, put some bank in your, in your, uh, in your, in your life.
0: Absolutely. Uh Reed, I want to talk about the tr- uh, your travel schedule I mean you know I scout I, I probably watch you know 150 games to 200 games yeah. a year you're a pro scout I mean I'm assuming you're watching what 260 more or are you watching less like what's your schedule like No
3: I don't like we, physically like you can only get to about 150 160 games and and okay. that's 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 a limit like 5 5 to 6 games a week is like your mind starts scrambling a little bit especially when you're traveling from team to team or you know last year was a little different we watched some television stuff you know as far as scouting goes and it's it's I I found I find that really really tough especially when you're trying to watch American Hockey League and you don't know the players well you haven't seen them play before and you're just you're just kind of some of those setups you know for video are not that great so you know, physically, I I feel personally, you got to be at the games and you have to, you have to be present to, to be able to see all the little nuances that you want to get out of, you know, what you're doing and how to make it you know, make that report solid enough so that the guy reading it yeah can, you know, can get a really good in, imprint of what this player is and, they're really good in Montreal. I, I don't know how any other organizations are because um, I've never worked for anyone else, but right from the top down, like Burge and Scott Melnby and, and Marty LaPointe and, and Eric Crawford are, those guys. They, they actually listen, you know, sometimes you don't know that, they, you know, you're just out there doing your job, Yeah. but they really, they really have a lot of respect for the guys that are out there um, watching games. And I, and everyone always asks me like, what, you know, what does management do? And I'm like, well, pretty much everyone from the general manager down is all, all we do is watch hockey, you know, and that's yeah. the only way to really improve your team incrementally over, over little moves and, and stuff like that. And so, you, you know, if you don't have that, then I, I don't know how you can build a team that actually wins.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that's true. Reed, we got to talk here. One more question here before we're going to our, uh, our segment called questions for the gallery. We don't want to keep you too long. We know you're a busy guy, yeah. but we got to ask this question because we are a golf slash sports podcast. Um, <laughs> talk about your golf game. I don't know. I mean, I know Stapes mentioned you might, you might be a golfer. Merle said it. Um, and I can only imagine some of the places you've got to play. I really hope that you golf. So
3: yeah. Uh, I, you don't know I do a lot. Well, I, I don't a lot, but I've got, I, I I've been able to like through the luxury of, of, playing hockey been able to golf a ton of like all the best courses around the world almost. And I
2: was actually just going to
3: Gaza ranch. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I like, I think like, because because they always do, I I do a lot of like the charity events. I'm not one. I'm I'm a good, bad golfer. Let's put it that way. I'm a guy (laughs) that like I can, if you put me in a, in a, in a scramble with uh, you know, as the fifth guy, I can I can make shots, but in my real game, if I'll shoot 13, 14 holes, you know, right around par, and then I'll shoot five eights, so I don't score well. <laughs> but but I help the team when I'm when I'm in a scramble. So good match my player. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Like
3: I I was just out in Gaza Ranch with uh, Sheldon Surrey got married, and you know Wayne Gretzky was out there and Chelly Ch- uh, and and uh, Chaser and, and all the group that lives out there. So we did a lot of golfing there. And, and those guys golf like every day. But I was able to help out a little bit here and there um, with that. And, you know, another great golf course there um, um, to, to golf. And I I appreciate it more now because if, if I golf 10 times a year, um, about the fifth or sixth time, I start thinking I'm good again. And uh, then I want to golf more. But then it seems like the more I golf, the worse I get sometimes. So I never seem to get over that hump in the summertime where you golf like, you know, for two or three weeks, you get like 10 rounds in and you actually start feeling like you, you're, you know what you're doing. Yeah. But um, yeah, I love the game and and, and uh, I'm hoping I get a chance to do a lot more. I know Saskatchewan has some pretty nice courses there too. Um, and I've, I haven't been up there in the last couple of years, but looking forward to getting out there. I know that Elk Ridge up north. Oh, yeah. PA, yeah. Pretty nice. Even Melford back in the day had a had still a nice course. There. Yeah. yeah. Nippland, yeah got a good still course. a really nice course. Flimflons golf course where I grew. I, I golfed a ton when I was a kid. So I learned how to bounce balls off the rocks, kind of thing. And <laughs> uh, and find your way down the down the course with that. You were a mouth guard when you golf there. <laughs> yeah, no shit, eh? uh, yeah, it was uh, the golfing's great. Like it's it's one of those sports that you never. You. You. As soon as you think you're you're good at it, it 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 brings you back to brings you back to earth and humbles you really quick.
0: The most humbling sport ever, I think. Yeah. <laughs> All righty, Reed. Let's go to our questions from the gallery. Our segment okay. sponsored by Molson Coors. Meet New Busy Hard Seltzer with 100 calories per 355 milliliters. This variety pack is something for everyone to enjoy, including pineapple mango, blueberry pomegranate, strawberry kiwi, and black cherry lime flavors. Rip, you love this stuff about as much as I do. Hey, yep. You betcha. Hey, you, guys,
3: you guys are talking my game here. I like your sponsorship, <laughs> that's for sure.
0: <laughs> Please drink responsibly and yeah, make sure you're over 19 years old the whole time. All right, Reed. Best memories of playing in the NHL. Well that's a, that's a broad question. Sorry. Let's do memory. Yeah,
3: no, no, I know. It's like there's a few, like, like I said, I I, I mentioned it earlier to you before the, the broadcast, like. Like I remember getting on the ice with the New Jersey Devils in the Madison Square Garden, the first 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 game I played. Uh, Kenny Danico had fought Joey Kosher and, and broke his leg, and I remember going in after the period, going, "Oh my God! Like, that, like I can't believe it! Like that happened!" But I was I I just remember that was my opportunity to 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 go yeah like to go against the the best you know, or at least one of the best at the time and find out where I was at. So I, I just remember going out for the draw and going, okay, this is it. Either You either live or you die right now. And uh, I had never fought him before, but I fought guys at, at his caliber, you know, going growing up. But I remember when I got done that fight, I was like, okay, I can handle this. I'm just lucky that he didn't, that didn't get me with that one punch that ended some guy's careers. I remember later on in, in, in Detroit, he hit me with one that, if I wasn't wearing a helmet, I might not be alive right now. So, you know, he was. He, I just remember hitting my helmet and going, wow, that feels like I didn't have a helmet on right now. So you know, guys like that. But I, I think winning the Calder Cup and, the, and, and then I remember being out on the ice. I'll never forget this in the Stanley Cup, you know, when everyone goes out on the ice and back then they didn't, you know, you didn't put your equipment on if you weren't playing the game. So I was out there in my suit and it took about 45 minutes to get off the ice. And the, and we were in New Jersey, that first cup of 95. And I just remember looking around at the crowd, like in amazement, like they kept clapping for a good half an hour. And I just, it was kind of, it was late. So there was fog everywhere. And I'm like, I just thought to myself, like, if this ever happens again, I want to at least have my skates on. And you know, it never did, (laughs) but I, you know, I came close in St. Louis later on. And I remember we lost, uh, Colorado and I, it was probably the the most the it was the most frustrating like it was the hardest pill to swallow I think in my NHL career when we lost to to Colorado and they ended up winning the cup that year cuz I knew we could do it I knew we had the team to do it and and you know that those two those two things were like were will imprint on my mind forever and it and it you know again it's all around winning I you know even Scoring two goals in the last game at the Maple Leaf Gardens, you know, seemed pretty special at the time and everything like that, but nothing compares to winning a Stanley cup. I don't think. And, and I I think that's a pretty, that's most guys will say that. I think that just getting to that, to the top of it, I even winning the Calder cup, I just remember we're out on the ice and, and I'm, you know, we're kind of, and I'm like, okay, when's what's next? You know, like, I really thought there was another level and, and, I guess getting there this year as a, in the management side, you know, I was hopeful we could, we could somehow pull it off against Tampa because you know, you just, it's just one thing that like it keeps driving every year. It's one thing that keeps, keeps making you, you know, train all summer and, and go to the next level. Yep.
0: Absolutely. Rip.
1: All right, Reed. Um, I believe you're in a few, few tilts in your NHL career. So yeah. I'm going to ask you uh, who's the toughest guy you ever fought and Who's the sneakiest tough guy that you ever fought?
3: Well, I can tell you the sneakiest tough guy is Darren Langdon for sure. And, and, and Paul Laws is like right next to him. Like as far as like that goes, like these are two guys that like never, they, no one, no one, they weren't names that guys knew. I, I, players, other guys knew them. Like guys in the league knew who they were because you didn't get out of a fight usually with Darren Langdon without getting punched. In the face pretty hard like every fight and he would fight for for like well over a minute every time and so sooner or later he was gonna hit you and he, and he punched hard and same with paul laws he punched really hard for a guy that you know he didn't stand wide open and like throw bombs but but god like they just seemed to hit you every single time um bobby probert and tony twist and and kosher were guys like twister like Tried to rip all your limbs off when you fought him. You know, like he just like and I, you know, I played the game some 12 times a year in junior and and he just he seemed to get bigger, stronger every year to the point that like I mean, he just he was you knew he fighting guys like him, Probert or Kosher, or even like Marty McSorley. I had a really good one with him. So I, I I just remember that fight fighting McSorley. I'm like, you get to the end of your career or the end of the fight, and it's a minute in and and basically he's got nothing to hold on to except skin and you're and you're just like okay when's this one coming because it's gonna like eventually at least if they're you know a minute into it it's probably gonna only have half the punch but if you get punched by a guy like those four guys in the first 20 seconds of the fight like good luck with uh not having to get taken off on a stretcher but those guys were the scary ones you know um that that really, really, you knew they, like, there was an anger in them that <laughs> you're just like, all right, I, I feel like they're going to, they not they want to beat me up. They want to go the wives lounge, beat your wife up. They want to like, kill your <laughs> baby. they want it. Like, that was like, that yeah. was kind of the feeling. I, I had the same thing in me, but you know, I, I, I know when you flick that switch, you, I always try to tell people like, you know, what was it like fighting all the time like that? And I'm just like, it was like turning the light switch on when the game started, and then turning it off when it was over. It was a, it was a mental thing that you just had to do, and and yeah. to survive at that level, if you didn't have that, it just it didn't work. So, yeah, you know, Proby Proby scared a lot of guys.
2: <laughs> That's
3: yeah,
0: for sure. He's a big dude. Uh, yeah. Reed, you had 18 goals in your NHL career, I believe. Yeah. Uh, I think I
2: remember everyone. one of them.
0: who was your first goal on and walk us through it
3: you know what's funny i think it was jim carrey in washington and i like i just kind of closed my eyes and fired it at the net and it went in and i'm like i probably like the only guy on the ice in the building that didn't see it go in unless you were eating a hot dog or taking a drink but like i just remember hearing the crowd and i'm like Holy shit. I think that, I think that went in <laughs> and you know, you kind of put your arms up and you're like, Oh my God, I just scored an NHL goal. And, and, and it, I don't know if they're there. That's a pretty good, good feeling. You, uh, It's, you know, obviously I wanted to score more and, and people ask, like, you know, guys used to say to you all the time, like, like, like the guys that scored all the goals, they'd be like, man, you got the toughest job in this league. You know, you got to fight every night. And I'm like, no, you got the toughest job. (laughs) You know how hard it is to score a goal in the NHL? 50 goals. I could go in a fight anytime. Like, you know, you can't just go say, I'm going to go score a goal. I mean, there are guys that do that, you know, on occasion, you know, you you can tell that like they're on a mission to score and they do, but it's a hell of a lot harder to score a goal than it is to get in a fight in the NHL, especially if you're tough, like at least. Well, not anymore. You know, hang in there you know but yeah it's uh it was it was uh it was it was fun every time I scored I remember I scored like uh in Nashville the this the first year I was there Barry Trotz was a coach and and I kind of told him at the end of the year like we're way out of the playoffs I'm like Barry like just let me play a little bit you know play me 10 minutes a night (laughs) and uh and I uh I had gotten two goals in the like the Leading up to the last three games, I got two goals, and we're playing Phoenix the last game, and it was a no no meaning game, and and I I came over center ice and and just ripped one through the D man's legs, and it and I heard it hit the crossbar and go in, and I just remember I'm like that's like three and three, and I went by the bench and I'm like Barry, just play me more next year, like <laughs> we can get in the playoffs, yeah. and uh, it was kind of the joke, but. But yeah, like, I mean, like I said, I, I remember it, like almost every goal because they're, when you only get 18, every one of them is pretty damn special. <laughs> no kidding.
1: Uh, Rip. All right, uh, we'll move on to more golf questions here. What's your lowest round and what's your handicap?
3: Well, I tell people my handicap's 16 because it probably, I don't know, I, I I told them that the other day. I, like, I'm like, listen, if I golf 88, what's my handicap? Because that's about Clinton and they're like well it's 16 and I went out and shot 87 that day and then 80 this is last week and 88 the next day so I wasn't lying but I think my best score it's actually at a golf course in um, Saskatoon and it's the only time I broke 70 or in the 70s I got I got 77 and what the, what's the new course it's not new anymore but like it's in South Saskatoon they built like a little area down there um, condos around it and everything like I used to Willows. Just
2: hear,
3: what's it called the Willows yes the Willows yeah. okay and I golfed 77 at the Willows and I'm I'm not kidding a no cheat 77 like I didn't touch my ball like because I, I, I like birdied the first three holes and I'm like you know what I'm gonna play this one fair and I golfed a 77 the only time I've golfed a 70 anything in the 70s you know, and I've, I've gotten the 80, like probably 30 times. And that's, that's the closest I've been able to get. I got, I, but I, like I like I was talking about earlier, like I golf Pine Valley and I golf like 92 and that like a real, real score. I've, so I, I can, I love playing and every once in a while, everything works, works well. And like I said, if I can avoid the snowman more than twice a game, then everything seems to, my score looks not that bad. Yeah.
0: Uh, Raid, favorite beverage after a round?
3: Well, I usually like, it usually starts before the round, <laughs> before the round's over. Um, I've been drinking tequila. Chris Chelios has a really good tequila out now. Um, wow. I hope it's in Canada soon. It's called El Bandito, but I make a pretty mean margarita. So I don't mind having a margarita to just loosen up a little bit on the front nine and uh, usually they carry into the back nine and, uh, and, and that, that's why I don't play golf a lot because it's a, it's a long drive from the suburbs in Chicago to get back long downtown. Day. So uh, I got to you know, you got to go in the clubhouse and actually sober up before you get in your car. So it's, uh, yeah, I like golf. It's like I said, it's, 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 it's more of the fun, fun aspect for me than, than worrying about what I score.
0: Reed, what's I uh, I don't know what you can and can't say, but one of the best pranks that you've ever seen playing pro hockey. That you've either done or seen or been a part of?
3: Well, I know one like Chris Nyland put a freaking Chris Nyland in New York told me a story. He put a fish in the back of a, underneath the guy's seat in his car and, like <laughs> literally took the seat out and put it in there because the guy was pranking him all the time and the guy had to end up selling his car. It was like the Jerry Seinfeld like thing. Yeah, I mean that's a that's pretty aggressive as far as like taking it. <laughs> but I remember one time like in Montreal, Dougie Gilmore played with us, and uh, and and what we used to cut guys' toes on their socks off, right? And and I'm like, I'd played with Dougie in Jersey, and 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 everyone, and I played with him in Chicago, and everyone was a little bit scared to prank him, but so. I cut the toes of his socks off because everyone's like, no, you can't do that to Dougie Gilmore. I'm like, yeah, I can. Mm-hmm. And, and so I cut his toes off. And I just remember mm-hmm. we're all sitting there waiting for him to put his suit on his socks and he pulls on his socks and he pulls them all the way up, all the way up to his knees. And it was bad, but he, pay, he paid everyone back later. Cause I remember guys were laughing and, and someone had, I can't remember who it was, but someone came in after a game and, and he literally cut their arms off their suit, so he had a vest after the game because <laughs> he didn't know it was me at the time, but he thought it was someone else. So he he came in, way he, he got out of the shower and literally cut the guys <laughs> cut the guy's arms off his suit that he thought did it. And, and the guy walked the guy had his like put his suit coat on and <laughs> looked like he was wearing a vest, <laughs> but it, it was like I'm not gonna say who it was because it was uh because. It was, uh, it was pretty funny
0: actually though. <laughs> that's awesome. Rip anymore. Yeah, that,
3: that, that's pretty aggressive too. I think,
1: you know, Should I go, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to ask it. Uh, I, mean, we were asking for some stories from my dad last night and he yeah. said that, uh, back in your younger days at Craven, yeah. you had a jet ski out ripping around in the Creek through Craven.
3: Oh yeah. Care to, care yeah. to
1: comment or confirm that.
3: That's definitely confirmed. That's story confirmed. <laughs> We did some, uh, yeah, me and Darren Kimball are, after our first year, um, we bought these jet skis, right? So we were, we were so proud of them. We thought they were the coolest thing. They were the stand-up ones, too. Yeah. So we used to have races in Lucky Lake. I remember going down there, and we'd, like, race, like, to the sh- And we'd race to the shore, but he would never stop. So, like... He would race in his jet. He'd jump off his jet ski, and it would be in the bush up there. So we're like, let's take these. To, let's take these to Craven. It would be a great time. And you know, Craven, they had that little river going through there, and uh, you know, it was pretty hot usually when we were down there. So we're like, let's launch these things in here, and we just, we started ripping around there. I remember people were looking at us like, what the hell is wrong with these things? Because it was only about six feet of water maybe, and it was only twenty feet wide. But it was the one thing that cooled you off. I mean, you come out of there like mud all over you. We had to like carry them out. But yeah, we, yeah, we. That's a story confirmed. We were spraying everyone. <laughs>
1: that's <laughs> unbelievable.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> all right, Reed. Last one here for you. We don't want to keep you out longer than we have to. Um, yep. You're busy guy. You know, I'm. Sh- I don't know what courses you have and haven't played, but what's a favorite course you have played besides Augusta? But when I wrote this question yesterday, I was kind of like, you know what? I feel like he's already played Augusta. But no, haven't. I haven't, I okay, haven't so. had the
3: luxury yet. No, that's a tough one. Um I can tell you the favorite, the funnest course to golf. I golfed down in uh, at the Grove in Michael Jordan's course uh, last spring. It's it's a new course. And the greatest thing about it is there's like a hundred members there, I think, and they all golf at this they, they all golf together, like like they, they golf with like 12 in a group. <laughs> You know, it, it you can kind of do whatever you want. And like the, the the uh they they deliver like the beers with drones, the the caddies. What the caddies are on like mo- oh, hey. these motorbikes or whatever, driving around. It's like it's the it's the it's the craziest thing you've ever seen, but it and, and it's the it's the coolest course you've ever seen. It's kind of flat. You can almost see every hole from from the clubhouse, which is like I said, there's like I think there's only a hundred members there. Yeah. So there's at best, maybe 12 or 15 of them on, on, a, on any given day at golfing, and they all seem to be golfing at the same time. So, yeah, that's a pretty cool course. Um, Wingfoot, wow. Wingfoot's that's cool, kind of the coolest course. Like, I'd say, like, the, the most prestigious course I've ever golfed. And, and I golfed literally behind Donald Trump the one time I was there. And I'm like, this is back in the 90s. And every time we get to the hole, like he'd be sitting there waiting, and I was like, "Should I ask him questions?" Or I like, but uh, <laughs> I never really got a chance—too, to, good a chance—to talk to him. During the time, I just kind of listened to him, and let's just say nothing's changed since
2: then. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, here, actually, I forgot one last one here for my brother. He always asked this question: uh, "Ultimate foursome—who—who who is your ultimate foursome to golf with?"
2: Ooh.
3: Well, I have to put Sheldon Surrey in there because, because he's the, he's like, he can hit it as far as anyone I've ever, ever played with as far as uh, that goes. And he's, and he's probably the funnest guy you're ever going to golf around. And golf he's a car.
0: man rocket too.
3: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It seems like there's like girls following the whole, the, the, you know, <laughs> getting in their golf cart. It's like the, the beer girl seems to be at your hole every time when he's golfing with you.
0: <laughs> um, well, that's for you, Reed. That's that's what they're saying. Yeah,
3: no, no. I, I've given. I've, I've. I've. I'll definitely let him take that that crown. Trust me. <laughs> when he when he came to uh, when he came to New Jersey, he he took that that title over real quick, as far as uh, that goes. Um, Sheldon Suray. Um, let me think. You know, I've always wanted to golf with it. I thought it's a cool guy as Huey Lewis. And I, I don't know if he's a good golfer or not, but I've always wanted to golf with Hughie Lewis. I don't know why. And uh, God, I don't know. Can Elton John golf? Because I'd love to. I'd love to take a round golf with Elton John and just pick his brain about.
0: Oh yeah. Like, what
3: his life has been like so. Yeah, that'd I'm be kidding. cool. Yeah, he, he, he can probably putt at worst, right? Like, I, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I bet he could putt. So like, I don't know. That would, that sounds like a pretty fun foursome.
0: Absolutely. All right reed uh man we appreciate you coming on today we had a lot of fun with you Um yeah. hope we can do it again down the road maybe when the you know the, the habs are back in the final again yeah you know, it's um you know kudos to you guys and your, and your team bergevin there uh what you guys did last season you know three quarters of the world probably didn't have the canadians playing in the final but you guys all yeah. proved them wrong so you yeah. had a lot of fun today reed and we appreciate it and hope we can do it again
3: thanks a lot you guys you guys are great it's been yeah. it's been really fun talking to you guys and Good luck with everything there. And hopefully I can get back to Saskatchewan this uh, next summer and it's a little easier to travel around. I'm looking forward to getting back there.
0: Yeah. Thanks. Absolutely. For you. Take care.
3: Thanks a lot, you guys.
2: This episode of off the hosel is brought to you by last mountain distillery. Last mountain distillery is family owned and operated located in Lumsden, Saskatchewan, the heart of green country. Our success lies in our commitment to producing high quality handcrafted spirits, our signature products include Saskatchewan's best-selling, naturally-infused dill pickle vodka, which is on sale all month long at many places across the province. Also, don't forget to try out their new Hibiscus Lime Vodka, only made by Last Mountain Distillery. Alrighty, Rip. There it is, episode 90 of there Off it, the Huzzle.
0: There it is. Ten away from a silver stick, as Rip would say. Raid Simpson, the Flin Flon Manitobian, comes on the pod to talk for an hour about his career. This
1: man's an animal. Animal.
0: Driving jet skis through creeks at Craven while people are watching.
1: Yeah, how about that for homework? Not
0: bad. <laughs> that was a good one. That was good. Um, what else do you have? Just his fighting stories. Uh, not afraid to fight anyone, yeah. clearly. He's
1: tilting at 14.
0: Fought probes, Joey, Twist, like, those are some... McSorley. McSorley. Yeah, how's your brain? <laughs> He was pretty healthy, I think. I think he was pretty good. Yeah. He, oh, yeah. <laughs> Obviously. He's, he's got permanent goose he- eggs on his head. Remember that one time he said when, was it Joey, he said he punched him in the head and he's like, it felt like he wasn't wearing a helmet? Yeah. That sounded like it hurt. <laughs> so, yeah, no, Reed was a good guest.
1: Yeah, he was a hell of a guest. He was a good time.
0: Another beauty. Rip, what, uh, what else we got here before we wrap it up for the week? What else do we got? I don't know. You're off to a ball game. I'm yes. off to a hockey game. Yes. Hopefully, come out with two dubs. Yes. One's a preseason. One's a lead final. Yeah. So one. One. We one's can a little, little more it. important. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And then we're back here next week. Another podcast. Got some big dogs lined up. Yeah, we do. Be ready for them. Be ready. Ten away from a hundred. Wow, that's nuts. I never thought I'd be here. Someone asked me this, but I am.
1: Look at us. Who would have yeah.
0: thought? Who would have who thunk it?
1: No, don't say that. Who says that? My dad. Oh. <laughs> and I carve him every time. I call him an idiot. Who would have thought? Not me. Here, see that? <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Rip. Uh, quickly, at underscore off the hosel on Twitter and Instagram, at off the hosel on Facebook and YouTube. Make sure to subscribe, like, retweet. Do what you can to help us grow. Just go do it. Yeah, do it today. Because if you don't, we're not friends anymore um, other than that follow us channels and Hardo <laughs> <laughs> Rip it's always a pleasure talking to you every week yeah, love it and we'll talk to you next week everyone else out there please come back next week to do another great podcast peace see ya Hardo